Chapter Twenty of Meg of Mystery Mountain. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Meg of Mystery Mountain by Grace May North. Chapter Twenty. Meg as School Mistress. Upon arriving in Redford's, Meg Hager had at once given the letter which had been marked important rush to the innkeeper, who was about to start to the station to meet the eastbound train. He promised the girl to attend to putting the letter on the train himself, and thus assured that she had served her neighbours to the best of her ability, Meg went across the road to the school, only to find that her good friend, Teacher Bellows, was not to be there that day, as he had been sent for by a dying mountaineer as his capacity as preacher and had left word that he wished Meg to hear the younger children recite and dismiss them at two, which was an hour earlier than usual. Nothing pleased the girl more than to have the opportunity to practice the art of instruction, since that was to be her chosen life-work, and a very happy morning she had with a dozen and one pupils, queer little specimens of childhood, although, indeed, several of them were beyond that, being long, lanky boys and girls in their teens they one and all loved meg devotedly and considered it a rare treat to have her in charge of the class this happened quite often as in his double capacity as preacher as well as teacher the kindly old man had various calls upon his time some of them taking him so far into the mountains that he was obliged to be gone for days at a time meg had a charming way quite her own of teaching with story and word pictures even the master had to concede that she was more fitted by nature than he was to instruct the child mind at two o'clock when the young teacher dismissed her class they flocked about her as she crossed the road to the inn the tallest among her pupils a rancher's daughter who was indeed as old as meg put an arm lovingly about her as she said when you're through with your schooling i hope you'll come back to redford's and be our teacher the mountain girl laughed why anne skittle she teased you will be married with a home of your own by the time I am ready to teach. You are seventeen now, aren't you? Anne's sunburnt face flushed suddenly, and her unexpected embarrassment caused Meg to believe that she had guessed more accurately than she had supposed. Yeah, I'm seventeen, but I'll be eighteen before snowfall, and then Hank Griggs and me's going to be married. He's Pa's hired man, a new one from Arizona. Then why should you care whether or not I teach the Redford School? Meg turned at the lowest step of the porch in to inquire. Her dark eyes seemed always to hold a kindly interest in whatever they looked on, were it a little hurt animal, or, as at the moment, a girl who had not been endowed with much natural intelligence. Anne Skittle, again visibly embarrassed, stood looking down, twisting one corner of her apron as she said in a low voice, "'Me and Hank is like to have kiddies, and I'd be wishing you could teach em suddenly meg leaned over and impulsively kissed the flushed face of her surprised companion of course you'll have little ones dear she said and in her voice there was a note of tenderness no greater happiness can come to any girl than just that to be a mother and to have a mother she turned away to hide the tears that mist-like always rose to her own eyes when she thought of the mother whom she had never known Anne, calling good-bye, walked away towards the corral back of the school where her pony had been, for hours, awaiting her. When Meg entered the front room of the inn, her smile was bright as ever. Mrs. Bentley often said it didn't matter how gloomy the day might be, when Meg appeared with that lightened-up smile of hers, somehow it seemed as though the sun had burst through, and even if things had been going wrong, they began to go right there and then. 
"'Mrs. Bentley,' the girl said, "'Pa Heger told me not to come home today without the country weekly news. "'It's days overdue.' "'The comely woman's face brightened. "'Well, I found that newspaper at last,' she announced. "'That man o' mine didn't have on his specs when he was sortin' the mail, I reckon. "'Anyhow, he stuck that paper over your pa's way over into Mr. Peter's box. "'Twas fetched clear out to his ranch and fetched back again.' "'Thanks,' Meg said brightly as she took the paper. "'It won't matter any. I don't suppose there's any startling news in it.' Halfway up the mountain road, Meg drew rein and listened. There was not a breath of wind stirring. The sun beat down relentlessly, and the heat simmered from the red-gold dust of the road ahead. The only sounds were the humming, buzzing, and wing-whirring of the multitudinous insects around her. Then again she heard the sound which had first attracted her attention— a pitiful little gasping cry leaping from her pony she commanded pal stand still for a moment one of our little brothers is calling for help although the faint cry had instantly ceased meg remembered the direction from which it had come and climbed agilely down the rocks to find that one having been dislodged had caught a douglas squirrel's tail and held it captive so long that the creature was nearly starved you poor little mite meg said with tender sympathy as she stooped and after removing the heavy stone, lifted the small creature in her hands. She held it, unresisting for a moment against her cheek, then put it in one of her saddle-bags. Peering in, she said assuringly, "'Don't be frightened. I'm going to take you to the hospital, but as soon as you're stronger you shall have your freedom.' The bead-like eyes that looked out of the dark depths of the bag seemed to be more appreciative than fearful. There was a quality in Meg's voice when she spoke to the sad and wounded that soothed and comforted, even though the words were not understood. "'I'll take the newspaper out,' she thought, and then his bed will be more comfortable. And as she did so, she chanced to see a name which attracted her attention. It was a name which had come, within the last three days, to mean much of a possible comradeship to her. It was Daniel Abbott. Opening the paper, the girl expected merely to read an article telling of the arrival of the Abbott family at their cabin on Redford's Peak, but, to her dismay, the story that newspaper contained was an entirely different nature. It was a list of the properties in the county that were tax delinquents. Meg learned from the short paragraph that the ten acres and the cabin thereon, belonging to one Daniel Abbott, having been for three weeks advertised as delinquent, was to be sold for taxes on August the 10th at five o'clock, unless the aforesaid taxes, amounting to the sum of twenty-five dollars, should be paid before that hour. The girl stared at the printed page, unable at first to comprehend its meaning. Then she glanced at the sun. It was at least two-thirty, but what could it mean? Surely the young man with whom she was talking but yesterday, when the children had brought him to see the baby lions, surely he had known of this and had paid the taxes? Refolding the paper, Meg stared leisurely up the mountain road, but something seemed to be urging her to at least tell Dan Abbott what she had seen. Perhaps he had not paid the back taxes, and, if not, she might be instrumental in saving his cabin home for him, and yet, even as she thought of it, she was assailed with doubt. It would be impossible to reach Scarsburg, the county seat, before five, unless one rode at top speed, and the Abbots had neither car nor horse. Meg had reached the stairway hewn in the rocks leading to the cabin, which, for so many minutes, had been uppermost in her thoughts, and she drew rein, yodelling to a tall, graceful girl whom she saw standing by a pine gazing out over the valley. Jane Abbott turned and looked down, amazed that the mountain girl should have the effrontery to yodel to her. 
just because she mailed a letter for me does not entitle her to my friendship as an equal abruptly jane turned her back and walked away towards the cabin meg's face flushed and her inclination was to ride on to her own home but she recalled the clinging of little julie's arms and the sweet yearning expression in the small girl's face when she had said meg i like you i wish you were my sister instead of jane you'd love me wouldn't you leaping from her pony she bade him wait for her and taking the paper the girl sprang nimble as a mountain goat up the rocky steps jane had seated herself in the comfortable chair on the porch and was reading when she heard hurrying footsteps she looked up and an angry colour suffusing her cheeks this half-breed was evidently going to force her acquaintance upon her well she would soon regret it but the proud scornful words were never spoken End of chapter twenty